Welcome to the Fern Podcast, As the Season Turns. Released on the first of the month, each episode will follow the changing landscape of the seasons, from the moon and the stars to the tides and the trees. I'm Leah Lenders, author of The Almanac, A Seasonal Guide, and this podcast is a collaboration between myself and Fern, makers of small-batch organic perfume, who blend, barrel-age and bottle four fragrances a year, released at the equinoxes and solstices. We hope that this brief guide to the month ahead will awaken you to the rhythms of the year and help you to settle deeper into the season. The Sunrise in April Sunrise is not as simple as it might appear. On the 1st of April, the sun rises at 6.46am in Inverness and at 6.56 in Padstow. But before that, there will have been degrees of sunrise, degrees of fading twilight, and each of these has a name. Let's take Padstow as our example. There, the sky began to lighten at 5.01am with the beginning of astronomical twilight, the darkest of the three twilight phases. It occurs when the sun is between 12 and 18 degrees below the horizon, and the difference it makes to the sky is subtle. You will still be able to make out most stars and celestial objects during this time in a dark sky area. At 5.53am, along comes nautical twilight, which is when the sun is between 6 and 12 degrees below the horizon. The brightest stars can be seen during this phase, but crucially, so can the horizon, making it possible for sailors to navigate by the stars, hence the name nautical twilight. And then, at 6.23, it is civil twilight, when the sun is between 6 and 0 degrees below the horizon. The sky is reasonably bright during this phase, and it is possible to carry out most outdoor activities. And then... Finally, the sun peeps above the horizon and along comes dawn at 6.56am. The Pond in April There is an explosion of green here in April as frogbit, hornwort, water soldiers and broad-leaved pondweed rise up from the mud at the bottom reach the surface and spread their leaves, ready to make the most of the warmth and daylight. Water lilies do the same, spreading their pads across the surface, providing little islands for any creatures needing a rest from all of their activity. And there are plenty. We are into the main breeding season now, and every creature in the garden has a use to make of the pond and its surroundings. Swallows and house martins collect mud from the edges to build their nests. Moths, leaf miners and aphids lay their eggs on the leaves around the pond. Sparrows swoop in and take the aphids and caterpillars for their own babies and bathe and drink at the edges. Yellow flag iris and marsh marigold are in flower and the bees visit them for pollen and nectar. When they get weary, they might rest on a lily pad and take a sip of pond water before continuing on with their work. The hatched tadpoles have now started to grow legs, and they switch from being vegetarian to eating dead insects from the water's surface. 
This is a great time for pond dipping. A bucket full of water will be alive with water boatmen, pond snails and dragonfly larvae. There are three newts native to the UK. The smooth newt, by far the most common, the palmate newt and the great crested newt, and one to Ireland, the smooth newt. Newts are secretive breeders, choosing deeper ponds and carrying out most of their breeding by night. Shine a torch into your nighttime pond to try and spot one. They begin breeding sometime in April and continue for up to six weeks. In the run-up to breeding, the male puts on a show, brightening his colours and extending the crest that runs along his back, and then performing a ritualistic dance, swishing, fanning and whipping his tail. When the female accepts him, he will touch her with his tail to transfer sperm. The female wraps each individual fertilised egg in a leaf, laying up to 600 between now and July. In the herbarium, the writer examines a green leaf, her fingers brushing its soft fuzz of hair. It is serrated and broad. When she breaks off a corner, it smells of spring, the green and the damp. She picks up a pencil and begins to write. April, Lady's Mantle. Most of us will know the plant Alcamilla vulgaris as Lady's Mantle but my favourite Scottish regional name for it is Elfshot. If a farmer's cow was unwell, it might be down to the fairies who had shot at the cow with one of their flint arrowheads. The elf doctor would have to be called, and his medicine for the cow would be Lady's Mantle Plant, steeped in water from three parishes, with a flint arrowhead thrown in for good measure. Once the cow had drunk and been doused with this infusion, all would be well again. Lady's Mantle is a pretty plant. The splayed leaves give us the common names Bear's Foot and Lion's Foot, as they resemble the spread pads of a paw, with the outer imprint of shaggy fur showing in the serrated edges. The soft fur on the leaves holds water droplets, and these were collected like precious pearls by alchemists, who believed the water would help them produce the philosopher's stone, and so be able to turn base metals into gold or silver. This water-collecting habit of the plant also gives us the name dewcup and William Turner's charming description in his herbal. In the night it closeth itself like a purse, and in the morning it is found full of dew. Another herbal, by John Gerard, is explicit about the cosmetic usefulness of Lady's Mantle, which keepeth down maidens' paps or dugs, meaning breasts, and when they be too great and flaggy, it maketh them lesser and harder. While women used to collect dew from the leaves on Beltane morning for beautifying purposes, we can still take advantage of the anti-inflammatory and astringent properties of ladies' mantle, taken in tea or infused in oil. It has long been regarded as a superior wound healer. And while it is a highland plant, you can find its sister, Alcamilla mollis in many a garden, holding on to last night's dew. April's Islands, the Aran Islands. 
53.1 degrees north, 9.66 degrees west, 47 kilometers west of Galway, Ireland. Population 1,250. Islands 3. At the mouth of Galway Bay, to the far west of Ireland, lie three outcrops of limestone that skip out westward into the Atlantic. Inish Ear, Inish Mayan, and Inish Moor, the East Island, the Middle Island, and the Big Island. It's almost always windy here, and, as you might expect, it rains a lot. The winters are mild, the summers cool. On the southwesterly reaches of Inish Moor and Inish Mayan, the rolling swells crash in and puff up through holes in the rock like geysers or little volcanoes. The islands are a geological extension of the Burren, part of an outcrop of karstic limestone on the coast of County Clare. They were cut off from the mainland a mere 10,000 years ago by rising sea levels at the end of the last ice age. Weaker clays between layers of soft limestone have let the rock weather into terraces, caves and passages, and slabs of limestone, known as clints, are separated by deep cracks called grikes, giving the landscape a chocolate bar structure. Best seen on Inishmore at the rectangular rock pool Polnabest, the pool of the sea serpents. Retreating glaciers left great granite boulders scattered across the softer limestone, the islanders have long used their hard rock to make bowls, mortars and holy fonts. It is not difficult to see what it is about the Arons that has long captured our imagination, and a strong tradition of myth-making continues today. Robert Flaherty's fictional documentary of 1934, Man of Aran, has been central to a long debate about truth and ethics in documentary-making. More recently... Playwright and screenwriter Martin McDonough's Aaron trilogy has presented a darker version of the islands. The trilogy's maybe conclusion, The Banshees of Inisherin, is set on a fictional cipher for an Aran island. Though partially filmed on Inish Moor and beautifully costumed by Imer Ni Maldonna in Aran inspired knitwear, Banshees presents a studiously non specific version of Irish island life a 21st-century mythology of Aran. In the real world, its early spring and the islands are as wet and green as the rest of Ireland's west, but they are studded, too, with the bright-coloured gems of wild flowers. In April, their full glory is just beginning, and there is nowhere so rich a range of species and rarities as on the Aran Islands and their neighbouring burren. The unique conditions here make it possible for a colourful mix of Mediterranean, Arctic and Alpine plants to grow side by side. Open, easy-draining soils resemble the tundra, making Arctic alpines such as mountain avens relatively common. While the soils created by the lime allow calcareous or lime-loving species such as harebells to thrive. Here too, a little later in the year, Orchids will spring up in greater profusion than anywhere else in Ireland. And throughout spring and summer, wild thyme, honeysuckle, fuchsia and spring gentian will perfume the air, their fragrance mingling with the salt tang of the sea.
It has long been traditional to eat boiled eggs on Easter morning after abstaining throughout Lent, and often they were decorated and given as gifts. You can use the traditional method to make your own beautiful marbled pace eggs. Place a few well-shaped leaves or flowers on the raw eggs, then wrap them in onion skins, both red and white, and in spinach leaves and purple cabbage leaves. Wrap in aluminium foil and then lower into boiling water. Water stained by beetroot or spinach is good, or use plain water. Boil for seven minutes. Leave to cool completely in the water. When you unwrap them, they should be covered in swirls of colour, with the leaf and flower silhouettes retaining their original egg colour. Rub with a little butter to make them shiny, then display on the Easter breakfast table. You may wish to pause the podcast here for a moment, while you find somewhere warm and quiet to close your eyes, sit back and settle down, just for a minute, into this month's Found Sound. For April's found sound, I travelled to Dover, a coastal town in the southeast of England. I walked along the white cliffs, which overlooked the cars and ferries heading off to France. Among the hustle and bustle of Sunday walkers, I hear birdsong, seagulls, a great tit, a skylark. I made my way to St Margaret's Bay. Heard the sound of waves sweeping over my underwater microphone. And then marvelled at this meeting point of the Atlantic Ocean and the North Sea. April's perfume ingredient, Timut Pepper. This month in Fern Somerset Studio, the team has just launched the Spring 23 fragrance and are enjoying its green and sparkling notes amid the first truly warm days. In previous spring fragrances, Nose Elodie Durand has used pink peppercorn for its bright, slightly spicy tone. This year, the team instead experimented with another false pepper. Like pink and Sichuan peppers, Timut pepper is not really a pepper at all, but a berry plucked from steep mountainsides in southern Nepal. It is made up of a hard, bitter black seed. This is removed before being used in cooking, encased in a pericarp, a bit like the zest of a tangerine. These little berries have made an exciting entrance into the perfume world only recently. Their complex citrus sparkle is akin to grapefruit or dried peel, bringing a light, fresh spice to the opening of a fragrance. Pop one in your mouth to get a delightful tingling sensation, like Szechuan pepper, but without the spice. 
Fern Timot pepper is harvested in Nepal and extracted using the supercritical CO2 process. Accompanying the fragrance is an original song written and recorded for Fern by Alice Boyd, whose found sound you have just enjoyed. You can listen to Oh These Days in full on Spotify and Apple Music. When the sun beats down on Alpheus Where the sweet spring fragrance plays Oh, those days are returning Garden task. Start a hardy annual cut flower bed. There are few greater harvests than cut flowers, few more luxurious returns for a bit of digging and sowing. Vases of flowers all summer long, and bunches to hand magnanimously out to friends too. Hardy annuals are particularly dependable and abundant, and should be the core of your patch. They are the simplest of the cut flowers to grow, as they can be started off by sowing direct into the ground. A word of warning before you do this. This time of year is wildly unpredictable, and you should hold off if the weather or your soil is particularly cold. Pre-warm the soil by covering with black or clear plastic, or cover your newly sown rows with cloches. Either or both will give your seedlings a gentler start during this unsettled meteorological spell. Some of the best hardy annuals to try. Calendula, cornflower, larkspur, amimagus, nigella, cerinthi, molucella and griffithii. These will give you a good variety of colour and shape and a mix of showy performers and background fillers. Even if you grow nothing else, you will have many joyous bunches. Work your soil until it is fine and crumbly. Make a drill and crumble compost along it. Then finally sow the seeds all along the drill. Cover, water and label. If you have space in a greenhouse, sow a few seeds into seed trays indoors too, as backup. The sunset. Even as the days begin to warm, the evenings are still cool. While I rather enjoy the lingering chill set against the warm colours of an April sunset, this can be a tricky time for wildlife. During the day in my garden and local woods, I've been enjoying the renewed hum of bees emerging from their winter hibernation. But I found myself wondering, where do they go after dark in the chilly spring nights? Honeybees, of course, return to their hives, protected from the cold by wax and numbers. But honeybees are only one of around 270 species of bee native to the UK. The rest are bumblebees, of which we have around 30 species, and solitary bees, which make up the remainder. Bumblebees, like honeybees, live in colonies. 
In April, pregnant bumblebee queens are emerging from hibernation, and the very first thing to do is to find a nest for their eggs and to keep warm at night. A queen looking for a nest site will typically zigzag across the ground or explore shady areas where there might be an abandoned mouse hole or useful crevice. Some species favour trees, some compost heaps, while others prefer patches of grass. Once she has found a warm nest site, the queen will lay her eggs there and establish a new colony. If you find one, try not to disturb it. It will only be there for a season. As for solitary bees, there are as many different kinds of nests as there are kinds of bee. Mason bees adapt small spaces such as empty snail shells by lining them with mud. Mining bees head underground. Leafcutter bees line holes with leaves, and others nest in cliff faces, plant stalks, flowers or walls. Solitary bees have an annual life cycle. Their spring and summer will be spent building and maintaining their nest, where they will lay their eggs come autumn, filling the cells with nectar and bee butter before succumbing to the cold. In the spring it all begins again, when the new generation eats its way out of the cells, emerging into sunlight. Sadly, pretty much all bee species are under threat, and this is at least partly due to a lack of nest sites caused by habitat loss. You can help, though, by setting up some DIY nests at home. For bumblebees, fill an old bird box, flower pot, or even an old teapot with some soft hamster bedding and half-bury it in an out-of-the-way spot. For solitary bees, bee hotels or species-specific nesting equipment are widely available or can be made at home. Moon Phases This month's full moon falls on the 6th of April at 5.35am. April's full moon is known as the budding moon, new shoots moon or seed moon. It is also the paschal full moon, the first full moon after the spring equinox. Easter is celebrated on the first Sunday after the paschal full moon. The last quarter falls on the 13th of April at 10.11am. Last quarter rises about midnight and is at its highest point as the sun rises. The new moon is on the 20th of April at 5.12am. The new moon rises at sunrise in the same part of the sky as the sun and so cannot be seen. The first quarter falls on the 27th of April at 10.19pm. First quarter rises near noon and is at its highest point as the sun sets. The stars are coming out above the lane. Wildflowers scent the air to either side. Ahead an old inn with a creaky door, held open to admit the night. From within, the sounds of a tuning guitar, the start of a yearning song. The song is an example of uh, what we call uh, old verses, which is a melody and that's a certain kind of verse structure fits to it and there are thousands and thousands of these verses where you can pick and mix and create these new songs. Um, I've picked the first verse, which is Blot Dair of Luzin, 
which describes the this girl as the the budding flowers of April and May. But then the the other verses go on in a different direction, and the last one uh, says, uh, "Come here, my love, and hold this piece of reed, and hold the two ends together, and pull it apart, and break it in the middle. That's how you broke my heart." Very dramatic. So this is a plot diary. Thank you for listening to this month's episode. Please do like and subscribe. All episodes are released on the first of each month. If you enjoyed this podcast, you will also enjoy my book, The Almanac: A Seasonal Guide to 2023, which this year is themed around the signs of the zodiac and the solar system. It is also available as an audio book, read by me, Leah Landers. As the season turns is produced by Jeff Bird and researched by Catriona Bolt. In addition to my own contributions, 
Zoe Gilbert, author of Mischief Acts, wrote and read the Herbarium. The folk song was played by Welsh musician Gwilym Bowen Rees, who also provided music for the intro. And Alice Boyd is the sound recordist and designer who is travelling the UK through the year to make field recordings for each month's found sounds. This podcast has been created by Fern. Fern is an organic fragrance maker based in Somerset. Working with the rhythms of the seasons, they blend, barrel age and bottle four fragrances a year. Each fragrance is made to order for the names on the Fern production ledger. To join the ledger and find out more, visit www.fern.co or visit the link in the podcast description.